everyone. Welcome to part two of Security Confidential's episode with retired Navy SEAL Mike Rice. Let's get back into it. Do you think it's going to be more the future of war that we see with more and more kind of drone strikes? And I'm not going to, I don't want to say the word robotic fighting, but less and less boots on the ground infantry units and more cyberspace drone warfare, that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, that's that's a good that's a good question because there's there's a lot of different opinions on that. I think drones for sure are here to stay, um, and I think some of the other technology. I'll give you an example. So there was this big project the army embarked on called Land Warrior, and it was this effort to inject technology into infantry squads and provide this kind of connected systems that would allow the uh, command and, excuse me the command and control of these infantry units um, in, in a more kind of holistic way and not much came out of land warrior project um, from what I could tell and I tell you one of the biggest reasons is for those of us who've been on the ground you know it, it, it is there's a lot going on <laughs> so when you're when you're walking right. you're talking you're trying to maintain situational awareness you're on the radio, as an officer, I would sometimes have two radios, and I'd have somebody talking in both ears, and then I've got my senior listed talking to me as well. So I got literally three people talking to me at the same time. So you've got all this going on, and you're trying to wear night visions, night vision goggles, which, by the way, right now have no depth perception. So wearing NVGs at night when you're stomping around the hills of Afghanistan is not easy. Mm -hmm. It's not easy at all, <laughs> even just right, without all that other too. stuff I described going on. So things like like these connected soldier systems, um, there, there needs to be, and, and there is, I think, an effort to try to make them more useful instead of just more crap we got to carry. Because that's another thing. We're, we're trying, we learned in Afghanistan especially, some of the areas in Afghanistan had some significant terrain. And, and, and we learned that the, we had a phrase, uh, light is right. Well, and, and so the, the guys were working very hard to lighten their loads and to get their gear, their kit, they, they tear tags off. It was just like the mountaineers do all the ice climbers and mountain climbers and things. Like they go as light as they can. We had the same kind of approach. We really tried to lighten up our gear, only take what we absolutely needed. And if you throw all that other garbage on there, like you got you know some helmet-mounted camera system and a backpack with a radio, but you have to have like a battery you've got to carry with you. You're talking an extra 20 pounds of garbage on you. And at the end of the day, some of it's just distracting. So I, I think there's there's going to be stuff in, you know, sometime in the future that that'll be a, more of an enhancement to your capability. But most of the stuff that I saw outside of just basic night vision and, and some basic communication ended up being a big distraction and a lot of extra stuff to carry and not not value added essentially from my from my point of view so that's that's from like the infantry guy on the ground um the other enhancements to command and control to c2 all that 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 definitely is is needed it's necessary to fight more sophisticated adversaries like the chinese um and so that that stuff is is a big pain point i think right now in the pacific because if you look at the distances that those uh, those units there have to travel and the fact that they would, you know, if there was something like a Taiwan invasion scenario, the U.S. military would be fighting in the Chinese backyard, especially, essentially. So, and we'd have to travel from places as far away as Guam and Hawaii and, and Australia. So it's, 
there, there's it's a very different calculus out there. Command and control is huge. Um, for to go back to you know the, the seal on the ground in Afghanistan or Iraq, um, we we tried to keep it as as straightforward as we could. Some enhancements, but it, there wasn't a whole lot of like gadgets and whiz bang stuff out there. Uh, we just didn't have time for it. It was distracting. Oh, that makes sense because I mean you guys are more of a quick in and out unit to begin with, so speed is always <clears throat> something you rely on heavily. Right, correct. right. Speed and and you just you know in the worst case scenario you don't want to have a, a whole bunch of extra junk on you um, if you got to you know shoot, move, and communicate for long periods of time. So yeah, that makes total sense. Well, shifting to China a little bit, I mean, do you think that's going to be our next? Uh, country of engagement i'll use that term well I, I think there's no question that they're they are the biggest threat that we face and i know that because they say that i mean they're they're very open right. about their anti-american anti-western intentions <clears throat> and <clears throat> i'll give you an example of, of, of what the chinese do from this from an infrastructure point of view so there's there's a growing realization now thank goodness in the west um mm -hmm. that <clears throat> Chinese companies like Huawei are part of the Communist Chinese Party, and it seems kind of, kind of, kind of simplistic. But I think Americans really, prior to President Trump, because he was the one that was the first one to really raise the flag on this in a way that got people's attention, for all his faults, right. that was definitely something that he did. Um, companies like Huawei are, are arms of the Chinese Communist Party, so it's all one system. It's all connected. There is no such thing as a private sector in China. It's all the Chinese Communist Party. And so they right. use Huawei, for example, in Bahrain. <clears throat> so when I went there, I was able to interact with some um, government folks that were pretty sophisticated in this, and they were actively fighting against Chinese attempts to tap into fifth fleet command and control systems they did it all the time and they mm. they were they were able to do this because huawei had built out all of the telecommunication infrastructure in bahrain so they built out all the infrastructure and so huawei of course had a back door so that means the chinese communist party was able to surveil everything on the island of bahrain and they're able to do that and replicate that all over the world. So everywhere that Huawei has built infrastructure, they have backdoors into it. They have ways of tapping into it. They survey everything. So it, it is the Chinese are <clears throat> very aware of our weaknesses in the West and our lack of sophistication until recently uh, of what their intentions were and what their um, what, what their what their actions and their the way that they leverage their own companies like like I mentioned Huawei. Um, and so I think that the Chinese are, and, and they're playing all kinds of these uh, different asymmetric threat uh, ways of attacking us here in the United States. Of course, they have they have all kinds of people that are in, embedded in our university systems. Um, they they communicate and they steal information and send it back to the Communist Chinese Party all the time. Our uni university systems are are inundated with Communist Chinese spies. And there are all kinds of um, ways that they leverage their ability to pressure um, Chinese Americans through family ties back to China. This is not mm -hmm. not anything that's that's controversial. This is a, a known fact that the Chinese Communist Party makes threats to people all the time that have have families back in China. So they leverage that to to get what they want. 
and they're able to you know, understand that you know there's there's all kinds of stories about professors, Western professors that are just simply bribed by the communist Chinese to give away secrets. So that they're and they also, of course, everyone should know this as well. But they're also the, the Chinese are the main drivers behind this fentanyl crisis in the United States. That's the drug, the opioid crisis in the United States. The Chinese right. provide the pre precursors directly to the Mexican drug cartels, who put the the precursor together, make fentanyl, and then they ship it across our porous southern border. They're doing this because they know that it actively weakens our country. It, it takes up resources. It takes up an enormous amount of time. It takes a lot of attention. Um, it's it's very damaging to our to our country and to our culture. What what fentanyl and some of these other drugs do. So the Chinese are direct actors in ensuring that they they try to pump as much of that garbage into our country as possible. They also use their social media platforms. Again, this is nothing controversial. Everyone should know this. TikTok, the rest of these Chinese applications, they yep. leverage those to influence our young people in ways that is really should be concerning to every American who cares about our culture and our country. So, yes, the Chinese are across the board attacking us all the time, to say nothing of their, their cybersecurity attacks on us, which are, you know, they, they've, they've stolen hundreds of billions of dollars in IP directly stolen. All, all these American companies that have their, their goods made in China, it's all of it's copied, all of it's replicated. They steal military secrets from us. They steal commercial secrets from us. They brazenly just copy all of our stuff, and so it's 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 an across the board attack on our culture and our country, and you know we're just now sort of waking up, I think. So, yeah, I mean the TikTok thing is is a huge conversation, not just in the cybersecurity world, but if you turn on the mainstream news, you'll hear them talking about it too. And now finally, yeah. there's some government pushback to the application as well and everything that it can it can get into but you're totally right in that from tiktok standpoint at least their their attack isn't meant to be on the adult population but they're you know they're grooming and they're shaping the mind of america's youth of these young kids who are just starting to come up who in 15 20 years they're going to be the ones who have the say who have the pull mm -hmm. It's, it's it's crazy. Yeah, again, the Chinese are very sophisticated. They're they're playing a long war against us. They 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 don't they don't want to get into a shooting match with us right now. I think the chances of them them directly invading Taiwan from everything that my you know relatively uninformed <laughs> position is, but I, I don't think they're going to invade Taiwan. I think Russia's debacle in Ukraine has kind of put whatever thoughts they had of that aside because they're. They are seeing the, the effects of Western sanctions on the Russian economy, and our ability to, to impact their economy is, is exponentially greater than our ability to, 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 uh, to attack the, uh, the Russians economically. So there's, there is, a, uh, I think, a real effort on the Chinese part to look at how they can shape this next generation. So what, what do you think those balloons were that were floating over the... United States that people are saying they're Chinese spy balloons, and then other people are saying they're UFOs, and other people are saying they're, they're weather balloons from yeah. So whoever I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine that um, mm -hmm. works for a, for a government agency um, just about this this last week because I was curious too, and right. so I, I don't know really anything other than anybody, what anybody else knew, knew up until just this conversation. But uh, the, I'll, I'll pass on a couple of things because this is 
I think it's getting out there. It's, it's relatively open source right now. But, yeah, there were mistakes made uh, after the, the big balloon was shot down. A couple big balloons were shot down where some of the other ones were like some students' weather balloons or something like that. It was kind of, kind of a tragedy. <laughs> I saw a picture. Yeah. It was like the size of a beach ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a <laughs> little, little bit of an overreaction, but, you know, they're trying to make up for their mistake. Um, but at the same time, it may not have been a mistake because here – Here's what I learned. So this this absolutely was a a spy balloon, but it, if anything, it's an indication of just how this the President Xi, the president of of the Communist Chinese Party, he has so much control over that country and has removed any sort of really smart people out of his cabinet that nobody wants to tell him no, nobody wants to countermand and anything that he says and there's not a there's sometimes there's not a lot of sophistication a surprising amount of unsophistication in the chinese approach to things so they put together this gargantuan balloon that was full of chinese surveillance technology and we were tracking it pretty much the whole time and we were able to so when you i'm sure all the cybersecurity folks on this call know when 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 you're when you're doing surveillance, you can also be surveilled. So it, it's a right. two way street. Once you open up that that sort of open up that that line of communication, it can it can go back the other way as well. And so we were able to do some really good sort of data gathering on their technology. And they they flew this balloon. They were trying to get information supposedly about some of our nuclear silos and because they're, they're still trying to learn how to build these nuclear silos like we have. So we just closed them yeah. up, shut them down. They didn't really get any information that was useful because we were tracking it the whole time. And mm -hmm. yes, it was it embarrassing politically. Of course it was and handled very poorly. Of course it was. The Biden administration did an awful job telling us what was going on and why, you know, what was, what was happening but at the end of the day, there was not much useful information sent back to the Chinese. They're, they really were kind of embarrassed because it made them look really stupid. And we were able to collect pretty much all the stuff that was on that, on that weather balloon. Once it got shot down, we had assets go over and collect it all up out of the ocean. And now we're able to reverse engineer all their stuff that was on that balloon. So. Overall, it was not not a win for the Chinese. It was more of a win for us. It was more. I think it was the political damage was was more on our side. Um, but right. yeah, it, it definitely was a spy balloon <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but not a very sophisticated effort to try to collect information. Pretty pretty amateurish, frankly, from what I understand. So, wow, that's crazy. I mean, it definitely goes to show how whatever media source wants to sway the conversation is exactly how the public is going to take it because how you put it you know makes it it does make it look like and seem how it was as a total win for the u.s for us gathering this information about them and yeah. them really not getting anything in return but yeah. if you've watched any news in the past three four weeks it's been all how china's spying on us and we didn't even know about it and this and that and the other thing yeah of course we knew about it but I, you know, it, it, that, that's about as much as I know. Everything else I would say beyond this is speculation. So, yeah, we knew about it. We knew about it the whole time. Um, there was just some, you know, some decisions made, I think, which probably could have been communicated a little bit better. Well, where do you, uh, where do you see the war in Ukraine headed? 
the, the whole thing in Ukraine, I think, it, it did expose the Russians for what my understanding for years, you know, from, from talking to uh, Army Special Forces guys that were really focused on this problem for a long time. You know, I, I, I never, I was focused in PACOM at the beginning of my career in the Marine Corps and then in CENTCOM. So those are really the only two areas I, I never deployed to UCOM. But I, I talked to some guys that did, and there was always a, a kind of a, a real, um, there, there was, we, we didn't think they were very good. We just didn't have any way Russia. to really prove it. Yeah, like their, their command and control systems, their logistics support, like their, their, their whole way of fighting just all seemed very kind of clumsy and unsophisticated. And so there was, there was a lot of skepticism about how professional they were. And that's bottom line is that's what's been exposed here in Ukraine is the absolute buffoonery that is the Russian army. I mean, they, they are absolute idiots and some, some of the least sophisticated soldiers on the planet. Um, and there, there's just been example after example after example in this war about how they can't even do basic things right. Beginning of the war, remember the big convoy that came down um, and some like 40 mile long convoy or something ridiculous, right? Thousands of vehicles. Well, they didn't bring enough fuel for them, so they ran out of fuel. So they all had to walk back. And they ran out of food <laughs> along the way, so half of them were starving when they got back, too. The ones that made it back. So, I mean, just, and they look at their, I guess their armor tactics are very, um, very rudimentary, not, not very sophisticated. They've got some tough soldiers, but now they're throwing, you know, Wagner Group, which has got a bunch of criminals. You know, this is like classic, almost World War II style, like frontal assaults. Using criminals. So what is the Wagner Group exactly? Because I, I saw something on them today, and I didn't drill down into it too much. But it seems like they're just kind of mercenaries yeah, for hire. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, they're they're led by this politically connected guy. He's a friend of, of Putin's, and they, they they do stuff like all around Africa and some other parts of the Middle East. And they're uh -huh. they've been in Syria for for a long time now. And they're just um, there's some some guys that have some military training. There's a lot of criminal types there. They're they're just like a mercenary organization that go around and help out um, help, help Russian causes around the world, essentially. So, okay, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense as far as how bad Russia is performing because, from my in my opinion, and what little I know, if you look at the size of Russia and you look at the size of Ukraine, just from that aspect alone, you would think that they would just be able to go in there and roll that country in three, four weeks. Right. You know, I mean, it's it should be a landslide victory for them. And the fact that we're going on a year now is, it just blows my mind. Yeah, and it's, it's essentially at a stalemate right now. So it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly haven't spent a ton of time looking at it. Um, I, I know some guys that are working hard to get stuff over to the to the Ukrainians um, that are giving them some supplies and Western stuff and um, yeah I think that's that's probably the right thing to do I think you know this is not not something which any which we should be tolerating from any country and uh, you know this isn't this isn't the 1820s or something or the, the 16, 1600s I mean you can't just be invading countries now I mean this we're we're supposed to be a little bit more cultured as a as a species at this point, but you know Putin is is a bit of a throwback. So you know, and look, his perspective is he he was feeling threatened by the expansion of NATO, and and, I, and that's that's one of the positions that he's had, and I, and I think there's some actual truth in that. Um, right. I think you know the, NATO has been um, 
kind of aggressively expanding towards the borders of Russia. And he's been warning them for a long time, don't do it. You better stop. And they continued to expand. The Europeans didn't think he would attack, and, and he certainly did. Um, so I think it, it just goes to show, like, when you push somebody into a corner, um, where they feel like they're in a corner, um, they're, they, they could respond in ways that don't make a lot of sense sometimes. sometimes. So, But if you look at it from his point of view, he's, he's defending his borders. He's defending his country. There's a lot of Russian speakers down there. It's kind of similar to what some of his justifications for invading Crimea as well. So it's, uh, it's, it's part of his effort to, to keep his country physically secure. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I listened to something, some guys talking about it, and essentially they were kind of taking the position that what Putin is doing, what he's done, is the same that America would do if, you know, uh, China wanted to put a, uh, a military base and bring Canada into their communist republic. Well, look what we did back you in know, the we, 60s, right? When the Soviets tried to put exactly. missiles in Cuba. Cuba. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so there, yeah, it's, it, there, there is some, I think sometimes we need to be a little more introspective and, and realize, like, yeah, we, we're, we in the United States are blessed with two large oceans on either side of us. <laughs> and uh, the geography yep. of other places just is not quite the same. And... Uh, yeah, so the, the Russians have been invaded many, many times in their in their history, and there's there's a, a sense of, sense of paranoia about those folks. So, um, and Putin has tapped into some of that um, that 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 paranoia and that nationalistic fervor, and yeah, he's trying to secure his country. But um, yeah, we wouldn't necessarily, I think, look at it the same if the Chinese, you know, had had established bases in Mexico or something, or they're trying to bring Mexico into some sort of alignment with them. But um, right. yeah. Well, with them pushing fentanyl through there, it might not be long before that's an actual reality. Well, yeah, that's our our country really needs to get serious about this southern border issue. And I know we're getting way off topic here, but if you talk about you know threats to our country, um, there's there's really you want to come up with like a top five that southern border issues got to be one of them. I mean, there's so many things that happen. Um, that are just weakening our country, and you know there are good people are caught up in this. I mean, I've, I've read some statistics about you know the fact that most of the girls that that and young women or even middle aged women that embark on this journey are raped along the way. They're exploited. They're 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 there's just a, a ton of it's a human tragedy is what it is. It's a giant human tragedy with all kinds of politics being played. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. You gotta. You gotta fight for what you want, and sometimes that fight isn't necessarily a physical battle, but more of a just saying, saying the truth, saying what's on your mind, saying what you believe, and there's gotta be more of that. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this special episode of Security Confidential. If you guys like this style, the shorter videos broken up into series, please let us know in the comments below, and we'll continue to keep doing more of this stuff. Until next time, 